I'm going to be preaching uh, today uh, about, I mean, we've been doing this series, um, and, and this series has, all, has been all about letting go of the stuff that we don't know, need anymore. Hey, welcome back, you guys. Welcome back from your summer holidays. Good to see you. Yeah, I mean, Rachel tried to get the congregation clapping that. I don't know what happened. You can clap, guys. Come on, welcome these guys back. Awesome people. It's good to have you guys back. But, uh, huh? Simon and Kate are also back. And, of course, and, uh, and it's, uh, Kate is out. She now has officially taken over the Children's Church. So Kate is running. The baton has been handed on from the amazing Garima, who's probably out there still helping. But Simon's here. And it's Kate's birthday. So you have to, have to hug her, too. And uh, it's awesome. So I've been, I've been, um, we've been talking about, and, oh, I, I mean, I've been. How good was Rachel last week? I mean, dude, I was like, I better be careful. I might, my wife might take my job from me. And uh, you know what? If that happens, I'm totally cool. It's good. It's good. We're all about releasing everyone. And uh, I just love it that I have a strong wife who loves Jesus, who's a leader, who's doing great things. Aren't you just proud of Rachel? You know, I, I just want you to give her a big clap. She did so awesome last. You know, you guys are just, it's a privilege to have, I'm, I'm, I mean, I get to experience it first. She's an amazing wife. And uh, as, the, as the mother of the house of this church, I mean, she's awesome. So love you, Rachel. She's wise beyond her years. And uh, if you can get online and listen to that sermon, you really should, because that was a fantastic sermon. And uh, let me tell you something, whenever Rachel preaches, it doesn't come without struggles, because, um, you know, the children to Rachel, you know, Rachel is just mum, you know, and there's a lot of responsibilities that she has to do as well as prepare, and somehow she does it, and it's amazing. So uh, I'm looking forward, she's like, stop praising me, but you know what, I think it's awesome to praise your wife and uh, just honour what God has given. Don't you think? Yes. It's awesome. Anyway, enough of that. So, I have been preaching about this whole subject of letting go of the things that have got you here but may not get you to where God has, what God has planned for you. And uh, I've just been going through the Bible and finding different stories that, that actually speak to me as, as an individual and I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that God has been taking me through this process. And, and, and a lot of us, as we read through these scriptures, as, you're, as I preach to you today, you'll be like, actually, this is what God has been doing for me also, because this is something that God does. He takes us through a process of letting go. He, he, he takes us through a process of us letting go of the things that aren't Him so that He can be the thing that we're holding on to. And, uh, and what we find is the stuff that has worked for us up until now. You know, there may, be, there may be pain in your world that motivates you. The whole attitude of, you know, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. You know that song? <laughs> doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Like, thank you so much for doing that when I was a kid because now I've got something that fuels my fire. Well, you know what happens? Eventually that thing that hate, that pain becomes something that actually envelopes you and takes you in because you've fed it, you've fed it, you've fed it until it becomes this monster that you can't control anymore. 
What God wants to do is heal you of your stuff, heal you of all of the things that you're holding to, onto that aren't Him. But, but the process ain't easy. Who knows that the process is not easy? Because it's like those things that we hold so dear, and sometimes these things are things that we don't even know are things that we're holding onto. As God begins to pry our fingers off these things and put us in situations where we're like, oh, this is hard, this is... I'm scared. This is difficult. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't take that off me, God. Not that. That's my security. That's my thing. That's my safety blanket. That's my backup plan. And God just begins to take all of these things away. And, and it can almost feel like God is mean. It's like, God, why would you even give this to me in the first place if you're going to take it away from me? And uh, the whole process is what we've been talking about over the last weeks. And it's been amazing. And, and it's based around this scripture in Ephesians um, chapter 3, verse 20. And it says this, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work with, at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The, the, the part of this scripture that we're focusing in on is the part that says that God does immeasurably more than what we actually expect. Immeasurably. Everybody say immeasurable. immeasurable. What's the problem with something that is not measurable? The problem with something that's not measurable is you can't control it. If you can measure it, you can control it. But when God comes on into your world... You think, oh, okay, I can control this blessing. No, you cannot. You can't control what God is about to do in your life. Let me tell you, if you're, bringing, if you're beginning to invite Jesus into your world, don't come in trying to hold control. Because he's going to take you through a process where you lose control. Not, not in, a, in a like, you know, psychotic, like, I'm losing control, like turning into a maniac. But, but this process where we know that God has got his hand on some things in our lives that have bound us. And he starts to say, come. And we're like, no, I want to stay. And, and, and you can't control it. The immeasurable blessing of God is incredible. It takes you places. You start to live a life that you never thought you could live. You start overcoming stuff that you never thought you could overcome. You start to change. But let me tell you something. You do it out of control. It's in his control. That's why when Jesus called his disciples, when he first came and walked, he said, he said, come, follow me. He didn't say, if you want to come, you know, just make up your mind or come back in a couple of days. No, he's like, yo, what's up? Come follow me. And it's like, I'm going. You're walking? Okay, you're coming or not? And it's like, oh, oh they dropped their nets. No, okay, we better, we better, we better go. And, and it's like that for us. God's like, are you coming or not? Uh, yes, God, but I want to just, oh, I'm just trying to, trying, I'm just, oh, like, like, it's like the, the kid who, who, who found a gold mine and he's on a journey. And he's like, I found a gold mine. And he starts stuffing his pockets full of gold. And he finds that that gold has got no use to him for the journey. And one by one, he's just letting, letting go of gold, letting go of stuff. So he, can, so he can survive the journey. And, and it's the same with God. 
There's stuff that you put in your pockets that you're trying to hold on to that you're trying, you think is going to be, it's going to sustain you, but it's got no relevance. It's got no, it's, got, it can, it's, actually, it's actually a problem for you. Everything that's not relevant, everything that doesn't need to be, be there in your life, is God is going to remove. And this is not detachment. This is not, you know, like just get rid of everything in your life so that you can sort of be more holy. That's not what this is about. This is about getting to where God has called you to go. And getting rid of the things that are going to hold you back from his purposes. <coughs> I'm just going to have a drink of water. Because <coughs> I'm already getting excited. <coughs> Amen. Praise God. It's just water. It's just water. <laughs> so I'm going to be... Um, uh, I'm just going to be talking out of uh, a story that is like, is like really preached about today about this whole subject and it's the story of David and Goliath. If you haven't heard about this story and um, you're, you're, you're new to this whole thing, you're gonna, if you become a follower of Christ, you're going to hear the David and Goliath story. I'm just warning you <laughs> at least 500 times in your Christian walk, <coughs> okay? Because it is a very common story. But the reason why is because you, I mean, this is one of these stories where you can see God at work in the life of this young man. And you can see the dynamic it causes. So I'm just gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read it out to you because without reading it, um, I can't sort of preach it. I have to give it a, a complete context. So are, are you ready? Yes. Now, now the, title, the subtitle of this sermon today is, is Position versus Provision. Everybody say position, position. versus provision. Position versus provision. Um, what am I talking about? Well, you're going to see in this story, there's a man in this story who has a position. And he, start, he tries to put that position on another man. He starts to, to, to use that position as a commodity, thinking that that's what's going to win the battle. But there's another person, his name is David, who understands the provision of God, who understands that God is the rescuer. God is the one who looks out for us. And the, it's, 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 the, it's what God does in us that causes the giants to fall. Okay, so, so why don't you look for that as I read it. Um, it's uh, verse 17 of um, 1 Samuel. It's, it goes like this. Now, now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socha, Socho, Socho in Judah. <clears throat> um, they pitched camp at Ephes Damon between Socho and Azekah. Details. Saul and the Israelite assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another. So you've got two hills, Philistines on one, Israelites on another, okay? And there's a valley between them. <clears throat> a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. In other words, he was a giant. He was taller than anybody had ever seen in their lives. They had never seen a man this tall. He came from a race of giants that existed back then that don't exist now. This guy was tall, okay? Uh, where was I? Five, yes. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a scale of armor a bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. In other words, that was heavy. Okay. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves. And a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft 
with that like a weaver's rod. A weaver's rod is about from here to that wall. That's a big spear. You don't want to get in the way of that spear. This guy was strong. He was a big guy. Okay? Um, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Okay? Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why don't you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight me, fight me and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. So he has a wager. He has a bet. His Goliath is a betting man. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, now listen, Saul, who's Saul? He's the king. He's the king, okay? Who knows something about kings? They have a lot of stuff. They have a lot, they have armies, they have horses, they have stuff. They're rich. Kings have got it all. Now here's Saul the king, and he's not just any king. He's the king of the nation that represents the living God. The God who can intervene. The God that can come and provide. He represents that people group. And every, you've got to understand something about this picture. Everybody knew about the Israelites. Everybody knew that they had this God who would provide in the most crazy and miraculous ways. And he didn't provide based on what they were doing. He just provided because he provided from, for them. And it's the same God that we serve. It's the same God that we believe in. Everyone, that's why he stood up and said, I defy the armies of Israel. What he was basically saying is, I am greater than your God. And what it did to Saul, what did it do? Well, he got scared. With all his stuff, the position that he was in as a king and all his resources and the riches of his treasury, here's a guy who was scared. And also you have to understand this about Saul. Saul was known to be head and shoulders about, above every other person. This guy was a purebred warrior, Saul. He was actually probably the only man who would have been able to go out and actually fight this Goliath and put up a pretty good battle. But he wasn't willing to go out. Why wasn't he willing to go out? Because he had a position that he was maintaining, that he was afraid of losing. You've got to understand this about Saul. He lost what was meant to be his this day because he thought his position... He thought his title, he thought his place would be lost and he didn't want to risk it. So what he had was a position. What he lost was what God had for him. What got you here may not get you there. I'm here to speak to you today about your position in life. I'm here to speak to you today about what it is that you have gotten to so far. Because, because this is important. The reason this is important is because people work so hard to get to a place where they're in positions. Or they look to others where they would go, I want to be in that position. 
And then they get there and they sit. And they just maintain it. Let me tell you something about God. He isn't into maintenance. He is into growth. And I'm not talking about any growth. I'm talking about double down, pressed down, shaken together, running out all over kind of growth. You know, what God actually means for you is for you to go beyond and go beyond and keep on going beyond to the point where people are like, who are you? How could just this, you know, person from Perth, (coughs) two million people, you know, middle class boy be in Mumbai doing what you do? I don't know. I don't know, but I let it all go and I just walked. That's all I did. And my wife came with me, which I'm very glad she did. (laughs) And it's the same for you. Did you know your position? Did you know your place in life right now can be a restriction? Did you know everything that you've worked for to get to where you are could actually be the one thing that holds you back from what God has for you? Did you know that? You see, Saul wanted to stay in safety and he missed his call. Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified because it's scary when it looks like you're going to lose everything. It's scary when you're in a position where you may actually lose. But isn't it interesting how God gets us to this place where we might lose and all we've got to trust in is not our position, is not our place. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what your background is. I'm telling you, as you begin to walk with God, you're going to come to this place where you will be challenged by the territory that you think you hold. And God will begin to show you that your territory is a restriction because He wants to bring you into His Someone's got to hear this right now. So he wants to bring you into his territory. And, and what, what, what is God's territory? Well, it's immeasurable. Did you know the universe just keeps expanding? They can't count it because it's infinite. When I, when I say God wants to bring you into his territory, he, he is bringing you into the infinite. He's bringing you into stuff that you cannot control. Yeah, you can clap. You can praise God. And we're like, no, I just want, I just, you know, I just want, I just want my, you know, I just, I just, God, I don't want, my, I just want this, you know. God's like, you, you don't want the universe? You don't want all that I have for you? Well, when you change your mind, you let me know. But I'm moving ahead. And this is the thing with God. He doesn't want to give you territory. He wants to give you all. He wants to give you everything He has. But it's scary because you've got to let go. And the things that got you here will not get you where God has got planned for you or what God has got planned for you. Now David, let's keep coming back to this, was the son of an Ephaphim. Ephrathite, Ephrathite, named Jesse. It's a person, it's a place, Ephrathite. Who was, born, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's three elder sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn 
was Eliab. The second, Abinadab. The and the third, this is names for your kids, guys. <laughs> and the third, Shama. David was the youngest. He was the only one with a normal name also. <laughs> the three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Why is that important to note? Well, see, here's, here's the three older brothers who are out doing the victorious stuff. They're doing the hero stuff. And here's David, this little shepherd boy. You know, he looks after sheep. <laughs> you know, that's his job. You know, it's like, do you know who I am? Or, you know, the old question. Uh, he, he, he goes to a, you know, a, a big party in Bombay with all, everyone's there. You know, these big parties that we get invited to sometimes. And it's like, what do you do? It's like, oh. <laughs> well, I'm a shepherd. <laughs> oh, you're a shepherd. Yeah, my brothers, they're warriors. They're out fighting Goliath. You heard of Goliath? He's huge. Loser. I'm moving on. Right? <clears throat> this is David. In fact, it was so bad for David that when the man of God, the prophet Samuel, came, he was looking for a king. And David eventually got chosen as a king and anointed as king. But, but Samuel was so ashamed of David that he didn't even want to show David to the man of God. I mean, here's a kid who'd been put in the background, who'd been pushed aside. Everybody else had rise, risen up before him and around him and got a chance, but he never got a chance. Here's a guy who never had the opportunity to shine and they just wish they could. Here's a guy whose father never even accepted him. He didn't have a position. He didn't have a title. He didn't know the right people. He was just this guy. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain, so some nice roasted grain, and take these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers, your hero brothers, your big brothers, your brothers who are fighting with swords and spears while you're looking after the sheep. You need to make a little delivery to them for me, okay? And hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses. I love cheese. Who loves cheese? Oh man, I love cheese. To the commander of their unit. And see, I, whenever I read this, I'm like, mmm, cheese. Every time I'm like, mmm, cheese. I could eat some cheese right now. So see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Eli fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out. And as Jesse had directed, he, he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting a war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David had left his things with, his, with the keeper. He'd made his little deliverer, de de delivery to the keeper of the supplies. He ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. How are you guys? How are you? I bought the cheese. I've got the bread. I've, I've, I've brought, how are you? And he, 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 while he's there, okay, as he was talking with his brothers, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. I defy the armies. He, he comes out and does it. And David heard it. 
Everybody say, David heard it. Now, what did Saul do, the king do, with his position, with his title, with everything that he did? What did he do when he heard it? He was terrified. What did David hear? What did David do when he heard it? I mean, look at, it it, it says here that, that whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. But see, when David hears this, he hears something else. When David hears this, he hears... An opportunity, an opportunity for faith. I, I, I want you to know something. The problems that you are facing right now, the stuff that is in your world that you can't control, the stuff that is up against you that you wish wasn't there is an opportunity for faith. And You've got to understand something about faith. I repeat this a lot because we've got to get this in our hearts. We've got to understand this. Faith is not strength. Faith is not... I'm so, I've got so much faith. Look at my muscles. Look at, these are my faith muscles. Faith is, you see my left arm? Do you see how weak it is compared to my right arm? See the weak part? See the part that's not there that should be there? Faith is that part that should be there. Faith is weakness. Faith, faith is dependence. The only, and this is, this is the complete opposite to everything you'll ever hear about religion, other stuff that's out there. You, it'll always be about your faith being strength. Your faith is not strength. Your faith is a realization that you need God. And you see that in this story. See, this is not about David the hero, you know, with his big faith. You know, his big muscles, his big strong guy. No, this is not about that. This is about someone who had learned something about faith and understood something. Okay, now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes to defy Israel. The king will have great wealth, will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this? Well, this is David's response. I want you to hear this. We, um, just before I say what I'm about to say, we no longer practice circumcision, okay? You don't have to be circumcised. Back then, that's what they did, okay? All the boys say, okay, whew, praise God. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living God. How come his response is so different to Saul, the king? Why is it? They repeated to him what they had said, been saying, and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. Now get the the king's daughter. Does she look like this? No, she didn't really. Okay, she didn't really. She's a very good looking girl, probably. I don't know, who knows? Okay. Oh, I'll do everything, but I don't want the king's daughter. Anyway, that's, that's, that's what goes on. That's, that's the, the narrative that goes into my weird brain. Okay. When Eliab, David's eldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here, cheese deliverer? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? He cuts him down to size. I know you're con- how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. You know when you're doing something for God, not everyone's going to be on board with you. 
Now, you don't have to go out looking to make enemies. Don't take this as an excuse to go and make enemies and be rude to everyone. That's what I'm saying. But no matter how hard you try to keep everyone on board with what God has for you, there are going to be people that jump off. And, and not everyone's going to accept what you're doing. And this is important because so often we can be doing stuff for acceptance. We're not doing things for acceptance because we are accepted by the Most High God. He has already died on the cross for you. You don't have to do anything for Him to do it again for you. It's like, oh, you're here. Oh, man, I'm going to have to go to the cross again. It's not how it is. He already went. He already accepts you. So we don't do anything out of, you know, like God accepting us or, or the big pastor man, the preachers or the big pastor's wife, you know. We, we, well, she's quite, that's in, I could be taken the wrong way. You know, <laughs> sorry, I'm just being stupid. Sorry. Okay, I, guys, sometimes my Australian jokes come out <laughs> and uh, it just gets totally missed. Anyway, shall I keep going? I'll keep going. Okay, so when this brother doesn't accept him, he keeps on going. And he says, now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to the king. And Saul had sent for him. You'll see, if you read this story, the prior story, that, that David was already known by Saul. In fact, he was a harp player and he would go and play the harp for Saul and he's so he already knew about David okay that's how this it didn't sort of just happen David said to Saul let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine your servant will go up and fight him now Saul replies you're not able to go and fight against this Philistine and fight him you are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth but David said to Saul your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. You need to hear this. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Now I want you to hear this, this next scripture, because this is the magic source, this is the key, this is David's faith. The Lord who rescued me, everybody say rescue. rescue. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Let me tell you something about young David to that point. At, up until that point, he, as a shepherd boy out in the field, he had won some battles that nobody else saw. He had been in grave danger and nobody else could see it. You know, when he was protecting those sheep at night in the wilderness by himself, a lion would come try and take his sheep. And he began to get the rungs on the board with God, the rungs of faith, where he needed rescuing. It wasn't, I'm so strong, I've done this. I'm so strong, I've done that. It's like, God has rescued me from the mouth of a lion. Don't you understand that? And God has rescued me from the paw of a bear. Don't you understand that? Who is this Philistine? 
You want to stand up for gi- to giants? It's not going to be by your strength. It's not be going to be by your position. It's not going to be by your titles. It's not, by, it's not going to be done by who you are. Let me tell you something that is a lie. It is by God providing. That's why the title of the sermon is, a, is called Provision or Position not versus Provision. Position versus Provision. You can either be in a state of maintaining who you are and what you've got, or you can be in a state of God's provision. And the moment will come when a giant comes into your world that you can't control. And it could be any sort of giant. I mean, the giants can represent anything. It could be an opportunity that you're scared of. It could be an addiction. It could be, it could be a problem in your world that you're trying to overcome, yet you can't. It could, be, it could be some sort of, you know, battle that you've been fighting for a very long time that you can't seem to overcome. It could be anything. This giants. Who knows that giants step on into our lives? I'm telling you something. I want you to hear this. The giants are an opportunity for faith, for God to come in and rescue you. Too many people are trying to be strong from their position. But Saul feared and trembled the king of a nation because he thought his territory could rescue him. Your territory is not going to rescue you. It's going to hold you back. It's going to hold you back. God wants to provide for you in the midst of your battle. I I want someone to hear this. God wants to provide for you in the midst of your battle. You've got a battle going on. You've got some stuff in your world that's, that's hard, that's difficult. God wants to provide for you in the midst of your battle. But let me tell you something. You've got to let go of your territory. You've got to be willing to let go of everything in order for God to lead you. You've got to let go of those things that you hold so dearly to that, that give you a sense of control, but really they're just crutches. You've got to let go of it all. Of it all. God, you know, you've got to understand something about Jesus. He is an all-in God. It only works that way. Too many people are trying to get lucky by Jesus. You will never get lucky by Jesus. You cannot come in and tap Jesus on the head like you tap everybody else on the head and say, you know, I've done that. So, yeah, hey, Jesus, I'm here. Remember, it's not how it works. It's like, are you coming or are you staying? And the sad thing is, is too many people get the opportunity of faith and letting go of territory and they just never get to know Jesus, who is the rescuer, who is the provider. So David, so once again, Saul is trying to put on David his own tunic in 38. Okay? So Saul says to him, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed his own, in his own tunic, David in his own tunic. Now that's a big deal. Think about it, a king putting on. Here's David, a kid who's never had acceptance in his life, who's been put in the corner all his life. All, his life. all of a sudden, the king is putting on his tunic and saying, yep, you go. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. Whoops. David fastened his, on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to that sort of thing. He wasn't used to being accepted by a king. It's like, well, what? He wasn't, he wasn't, you know, it's like, oh, okay, all right. You want me to go and fight? It's like, okay, king, so you want me to go and do it your way? You want me to go and do it your way? Oh, yes, yes, David, you must wear this sword. This is, how you, this is how you win a battle. And this is how you do it. You've got to put on that thing, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that. And, but he's trying to teach him from his state of defense. 
He's trying to teach him from his own. You know, there's a lot of people that will try and give you advice, but they're giving you advice from their territory that they're holding on to. Hey, yeah, yeah, you go out and fight. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I've heard this great saying, and, and I've heard this great thing, and there's this great thought, blah, 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 but they are moving. And they'll try and put on things that, that, that on you that is really just their own stuff. And, you know, I, I want to tell you something. We live in a patriarchal society, and one of the downfalls of the patriarchal society is there are patriarchs in this nation that will put stuff on you. That isn't God. It's come from years of maintaining territory, years of trying to keep everything in control, trying to keep everything in order, trying to because they're just scared of losing it. Let me tell you something, God wants to set you free from that today. This is not, this is not I'm not talking as a, as a Westerner, I am talking as a person that has read the Bible. God has a plan for you. For you. And we have to let go of everything to follow it. Everything. Am I saying we have to give up stuff? Well, maybe sometimes. Maybe sometimes. And, and, and here's Saul trying to put on David some stuff that wasn't really what God had for David. David realizes, he says, I'm sorry, Mr. King. I'm sorry, Mr. Angel Investor. I'm sorry, you know, person who's like, I've been trying to get into this office all my life and I'm suddenly here and you're trying to put, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, but I, I, I can't go in these. I, uh, I can't go in this. This, this is, I, I know you've got a position. I know you've got a title. I know you've got something. I know you're somebody, but I, I, just, I can't do it. He takes it off. So I'm not used to this. So he took him off. Why wasn't he used to it? Because he had won some battles. He had seen the provision of God. He didn't need anyone's title. He didn't need anyone's. He didn't need anyone looking at him. He didn't want, need anyone's acceptance. He knew one person, and that was God, who was a rescuer. He'd rescued him from the mouth of a lion, rescued him from the mouth of a bear. That's all he needed. So, verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand. And he approached the Philistine. Now, I love this part because, you know, one of the fashionable words today is disruption. You disrupt, you know, we want to disrupt the market and do this and do that. Uber and all of these, you know, the, the disruptors. And it's the great narrative of, 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 of our generation, right? Well, disrupting has been going on for a long time. Let me tell you something. And this is one of the original disruptions right here where... The king thought it was his territory, his staff, his resources, his sword and his position that would go and win this battle. But David knew something about God who is the ultimate disruptor. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked at David over. He looked David over and, and, and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. That happens to me a lot. And despised him. He said to David, I'm a, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? 
And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. I wish I could say that in a really deep voice because that would sound heaps better. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with your territory, with your stuff, with your resources, your sword and your spear and your javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty God. Come on. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Savage. This day, this very day, I'll give the carcasses, he goes on. This day, very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the, and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword, Someone got to hear this. It's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. It's not by money. It's not by titles. It's not by position. It's not by who you know. It's, by, it's not by who doesn't know you. It's not by all of those hours and hours and hours and hours that you are spending trying to prove yourself to your bosses. It is not by your strength that the Lord is going to position you. Now, someone just tell me, it just got real. Look at the person next to you, it just got real. Because I know, I know that we spend hours of emotions, pain, wishing, hoping, and trying, doing everything to make it work out. Just... But David knew something about the rescuer, about the provider. It's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. And the, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, he starts moving closer. He's a big giant, he moves slowly. He's not, he's not in a hurry. David starts running quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, taking out the stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. And just like that, just like that, David took territory. Just like that, David had won. Just like that, suddenly, suddenly, David was in a whole nother position. You know, you know the, the things of God happen slowly, but at the same time, they're suddenly. The suddenlies of God take a long time to happen. And you might be right now the person that is in the background and you've got some lions that nobody knows about. You've got some bears that are threatening you that nobody knows, you, knows about. I want, I, want, I want you to know something. It's the training ground. It's the training ground. He's got you. God's got you in that position. Why? He's training you. He's teaching you who is your provider. He's teaching you who He is. He's teaching you His ways and how He works. 
Because one day you're going to stand before a giant. You know, Jesus takes it a little further. He says in the scripture, he says, you know, if you say to this mountain, move, it will be moved. Now, a lot of people have tried this. The reason the mountain has moved, hasn't moved for you is because it hasn't need to move yet. But there'll be moments, there'll be moments where you will be up against a giant, where you will be up against a mountain, where you will be up against things you cannot control. And the only thing that can rescue you is God. And you ought to know who your rescuer is at that point. You ought to know who your provider is at that point, because if you don't, you'll end up like Saul and lose everything. You see, this was the moment Saul and his reign began to regress. It was this moment where, where, where they began to praise David. It was, the, it was the king-making moment. God wants to make a king out of you. He wants to make a queen out of all of you. Kings and queens. But you've got to understand something about his provision before you can walk into the territory he has for you. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran over to him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from his sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Bang, it's over. Finished. Done for. Not coming back. <laughs> I love that because you know what? God wants to finish off the stuff that you've been trying to... trying to... Trying to trying to get over all your life. He wants to finish it off, and He does. But you've got to trust Him. You've got to trust Him. You've got to trust Him. This provider. Amen? Amen. Good word.